0: Hello, everyone, and (laughs) welcome to the Outpost Podcast. I'm late. Oh, I got to do it again. We have a new intro. (laughs) You're like, who am I?
1: (laughs) Who am I?
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Outpost—a podcast about inspired thinking. I'm Lacey. Today, I've wrangled Tom and Mark and Derek here with me. Mm-hmm. I would ask how you were doing today, people, thoroughly wrangled. But I don't want to know, to be honest
1: with you. I'm unstretched.
0: I just want you to answer the questions I ask you today, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and just no others. <laughs> yes, Miss Lacey. Derek,
0: do you have community questions? To I do. Get us you, want to to I you want do. us want to dive right into you want to answer questions okay. that
3: Derek asks as well?
0: That's correct. Okay. I will. I will allow Derek to ask a few now,
3: as long as his rules are clear. Yes,
2: my liege. Make your way to the front <laughs> of the classroom. <laughs> that made <you> feel good. <laughs> All right, you ready? Super do you ever wish you weren't doing this as a business and were are just doing it for fun? Does the business aspect steal the fun?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Like, there are times, you know, there's a yes and no for all of that. My take would be the business side of this is the big drag. It's the responsibility part. It's the, the grind part. And if we were all financially independent and can just do the fun part of it, you know, who wouldn't want that? Mm -hmm. I think there is something rewarding. However, on the other side of being the responsible one and, you know, going the extra mile and attending to all the details that I think is the piece that most, that holds most people back from actually bringing something into the world that only they can do. I think they're necessary. I don't think you can do just one.
3: Yeah, I think one way or another you're gonna end up doing some work type things when you go to work. <laughs> um,
2: unfortunately.
3: Yeah. It are the more businessy side things less fun? Absolutely. But I'd rather be doing them for something that I care about and something that is fun than, you know, going and doing business related stuff, you know, for paint and then going home and working on my passion projects. Like I'd rather the business related stuff be serving my passion projects even though it's not very fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Good I point. agree. The idea of fun isn't like fulfilling enough for me. Like just doing something for fun, if there isn't a purpose, like if there isn't a greater purpose that I'm serving, then the fun, I don't even really make time for that. She's so. is on
3: a slip inside. She's like, "What's the point?" <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
0: I don't really like slip and slide, no.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, because it's always slip and fall, and then slide. They they
1: remove the fall part.
3: Slide and cry. She (laughs) likes the
1: slide and just not the slipping. (laughs) That's true. Uh.
3: Do you feel like you have less fun with the fun parts because they're related to work? Like, do you feel pressure that kills some of the fun of the fun?
1: I don't like paying my taxes, but, you know, I also don't think I would like going to prison. So... (laughs) you know, I feel like you have to do the one to maintain, right? You don't get to have the passion until you do the work. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I kind of flip back and forth because there are some times where I'll be really excited and focused on the business side of the act. Like what can I do to grow the business? But that never sustains me for very long. The creative piece is what really sustains me. So I can kind of toggle back and forth pretty easily, but definitely I agree with you, Lacey, that if what I'm doing is not serving the creative side of my passion, then it just kind of becomes a real burden. And then I really don't like it, but if it serves a purpose, it's more meaningful that way.
1: There's another perspective here that I have. And that is that sometimes the business is the creative work. And sometimes I view the company as the project, not the product, right? So not our games, not the products that we make, but the people that we have and where we're going as a company is the creative fun even though the tasks associated with it are not necessarily fun
3: that's a different perspective something that i do notice if we deal strictly with the like making fun things doing creative stuff sometimes different things are true so sometimes we'll be working on a game or doing some creative project and the conversation is, isn't it crazy that we get to do this? Like, we're working right now. right? Isn't that nuts? Mm-hmm. Like, like right I forget <laughs> that we're working. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, Because we are just having fun and doing something creative, and it's wonderful. And other times, we're doing basically the exact same thing. And we have to remind ourselves, like, we are blessed to be doing this. This is wonderful that this is what we get to do. Why are we feeling so stressed out and burdened by it? Like, mm-hmm. let's remind ourselves that this is... A wonderful gift to be able to be doing this for work. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of depends on the day and everyone's mood and what else is going on in the company and the world. And I think different things are true on different days.
1: And that's true of any passion, right? If you're passionate about it, I think you're going to feel that way. I still think 80% of what we do is work that we would cut out if we could to get to that 20%. Mm-hmm. Question I've, answered. I've been
0: spending this last bit of time thinking if there's anything I do for fun only. <laughs> snacks that's the only thing I can come up with <laughs> I was like is, does I mean, eating count <laughs> eating is my hobby <laughs> it's so funny
2: <laughs> alright second question you started to do more lease events through your website
3: lease events
2: release release oh he said lease you can, you can lease did I say lease
3: I mean
0: that's what
2: I, <laughs> <too>. <laughs> I shall repeat my questioning You've started to do more release events through your website. Is this the start of Orange Nebula moving away from Kickstarter? If we can get the website to not
0: die a <laughs> oh sweet <day>. Derek,
3: <laughs> shot
0: through the heart <laughs> yeah, for real. Derek
3: carries scars. <laughs> so is
0: it the start? I don't know if we would say it's the start, but it definitely was a toe dip.
3: Mm-hmm. We don't want to be 100% dependent on Kickstarter. That doesn't mean we have a goal to completely abandon Kickstarter. There are things that are wonderful about running projects on Kickstarter, but we are not a Kickstarter company. You know, We we would very much like to be able to not depend on any platform. I and there's, there's something... I don't know how much we want to get into this, but there's a discussion that Mark and I have sometimes is that when you're on a platform like Kickstarter, you are beholden to the expectations of that platform like everyone on kickstarter has certain expectations of what a company or a group or a project should do and is required to do based on their previous experiences on that platform if you're in your own space on your own website like it's your world you're in your house you get to set the stage and so it's kind of a different Experience and we would like to have both.
2: And certain products are probably more conducive to a website style launch. Yeah,
3: we're and not gonna products release some more conducive to a Kickstarter style launch. A promo pack and some waffle knit beanies yeah, on, on, on Kickstarter. Kickstarter.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he said waffles. <laughs> oh no <the> snacks. <laughs> Flapjack <laughs> hats. <laughs> we need some office
0: egos. You have any thoughts to add to that?
1: No, I I think that's true. In a perfect world, we, yeah, like Tom said, we wouldn't be dependent on anyone else. The truth is, when you live in the world, community is a thing and kind of always have people that you're dependent on and people who are dependent on you. And yeah, if we could run everything through our website, that would be fantastic. I think we've got a lot of work to do to kind of get into the position we want to get into. I think that taking care of people is the way that you do that. And so that's kind of what we're focused on.
0: Okay, we got anything else? That's the that's, end of the mailbag.
2: That's that's the last. There's crumbs here. Lacey, are you are you're, you're hungry?
3: Do you just want bring these? Bring a couple of crumbs. Bring here a you go. One.
0: Open. Open ah, mouth. Nailed you. it. So good.
3: I hope the mic picked up your little sound effect there. Was, <laughs> ah. Stop. <laughs> it was not that.
0: It was. <laughs> yes, it was. Play it back. Okay, so uh, main topic for today that we're going through is focused around the idea of charisma. Okay. We're talking about charisma in regards to a product or in regards to a creator of a product. I want to start with, which is always my favorite fun thing to do, is ask you all the definition to a word that I already have looked up and see how your definition stacks up to that. So let's define charisma for a minute. We've got a couple that came from the Outpost community, a lot of feedback we got on this, and I've got that kind of organized to share, but are you pulling out your phone to look up the definition right now, Mark? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs>
2: You're just going to find my name.
0: Oh. So <laughs> so fine, Tom, before Mark ruins it and looks up the definition, how would you define charisma?
3: <sighs> Gosh, I mean... That's really tough. That is really tough. I think I would probably start circling around some concept of Something that you're drawn to.
0: Okay.
3: Because I think there are different types of charisma. You know, there's good feeling charisma. There's, you know, almost negative charisma. But I think there's something charisma is someone who's charismatic or something that is charismatic. You are inherently in some way drawn to it. You're interested in it. It has something. There's something about it that you want to know more or you want to engage with it. Or it just seems more important and more interesting than the things around it.
2: And I would add on to that too, you know, there there's like an element of like self-awareness there, I think. When I think about charismatic people that I know, they're like they're very aware of who they are as a person mm-hmm. and they're very comfortable with that. Not to say that you have to have those things in order to be charismatic, but that's kind of a common thread I see between those items.
1: There's clarity around it too. I I wasn't looking up the definition, I was looking okay. at some synonyms for mm-hmm. it. And one of them was magnetism Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: another one was allure, which, which goes right in line with what Tom was saying. I think you're drawn to it.
0: Yeah. Magnetism is probably my favorite example word for charisma. What the real definition that I pulled up is compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. So just like you were saying, Tom, being drawn to it, Mark talking about magnetism, it's this compelling attractiveness that can inspire devotion in
3: others. It's interesting because all these terms imply that you have like no agency in the situation. (laughs) (laughs) You just are. are The magnet is sucking you in.
2: (laughs) I
0: can't help it. (laughs) Terrence from the Outpost community said charisma is memorable. I thought that was kind of interesting, too. It almost like it imprints on you. Like a little baby duck when it sees its mama for the first time. Wow. (laughs) Wow. We we really went there.
3: (laughs) Just to throw off a super specific (laughs) example of imprinting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So let's talk about where that charisma comes from. Okay. If we're talking about either a product or a project or even a creator, where does the charisma come from?
2: I'm gonna hop back and say, you know, the self-awareness piece, I think. People who, you know, kind of see themselves for who they are, I guess you could say, maybe I'm not phrasing that correctly, so anybody can step in, but that seems to be a magnetic quality of people because I think everybody's looking to understand themselves more and more um, and be more self-aware. And so seeing that kind of take place in another human being Or brand or company is kind of an alluring piece and is very magnetic.
0: It's interesting. I feel like there's a similarity here. Patrick said that when it's a person, you know, maybe a game creator in the industry we're sitting in right now, I feel like the creator of the company has to have a clear personality and persona. So that Mm -hmm. is kind of in line with that self awareness. You know, you have to know Mm -hmm. what you are as a person, as a company, and that clarity. Didn't you say clarity too? That clarity is what kind of draws in people.
3: I was going to jump on Mark's clarity train there for a second too. For some reason, I jumped in my head to like clarity and storytelling. This is my theme in these podcasts these days because I'm working on some (laughs) writing stuff. But, you know, a character is compelling when you know what they want and what's in their way. Mm -hmm. And then the question becomes will they get there? And I think that's also true with companies or products or projects you know when you understand what are they trying to do here what is their goal and that's really clear and that's something that interests you or appeals to you or there's something altruistic or clear about what they're trying to do mm-hmm. I think that's pretty compelling
2: yeah and maybe that's what I was trying to get at too with the kind of the software aspect
3: I think in the context of companies and products, when you understand what are these people trying to do and that thing isn't make money, mm-hmm. you know, or create fun, you know, cause neither of those two things are particularly interesting, but if there's literally anything else, all of a sudden there's something more compelling about that.
0: As you're talking about the clarity of a character and how people are drawn to knowing what, the person is trying to accomplish and what the obstacles are. I started thinking is curiosity a companion to charisma? Like, would charisma be if curiosity
3: wasn't? I think that curiosity can be a powerful component. I don't think that curiosity on its own is probably very charismatic because there is no clarity.
0: No, a companion to A
3: companion, definitely.
0: Yeah, because you'd have to be interested in learning and finding something out in order to be drawn, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not sure you can be drawn. I mean, yes, it's a compelling attractiveness, but it's got to be compelled from something that exists within you already. Something that you want to know, you want to learn, you want to be.
1: (laughs) I think people appreciate excellence and excellence is one of those words that kind of is a dead word to me. Um, but at the same time, I think as humans we're hardwired to detect excellence when people apply depth of meaning and they pay attention to the nuances and details of what they're doing, that is revealed much more in passion projects than it is projects that are, you know, spat out on a conveyor belt with the purpose of making money as efficiently as possible. And I think people are very built to detect those things. And I think that they don't always show on the surface. And so the curiosity drives them to see, does this product, this community, this brand have depth that is going to be satisfying to me and my values? For example, I think it's really easy when you look at products, through that lens most people can tell right away if this was a money grab and i'm not even talking about the gaming industry i'm talking about in general like you can tell when a product is poor quality and is cheap or doesn't have a lot of thought behind it or they skip steps and that doesn't create any type of Charismatic draw.
0: Yeah, it's that's the difference between a customer and like a devoted fan, right? A customer can buy a product, but something that's charismatic builds devotion in the consumer.
1: Community, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think about like Costco, right? Costco has customers. They go there to buy in bulk, myself included, to get free samples, because of course. But like they, they aren't... <laughs> <laughs> snacks aside... They aren't focused on building that charismatic brand, right? They're more focused on bulk. I, I don't know where if, I was going with if that. If we're taking but retail, I, I
0: think Target has more yeah, charisma okay, than Costco, mm-hmm. right? People go to Target for the experience of going to Target.
2: Costco, they go for the free samples.
1: That's an interesting conversation because I think that some brands like that are more charismatic than others, but I think there's a pretty low bar right? The ones that really have driven the charisma are the ones where you see people lined up, whether it's a movie or getting the new iPhone or whatever it is. And I know that's probably an older model. I don't think people really line up for the iPhone anymore, but, or the ice cream shop down the street that has a line around it. Back when we could line up. I think there is an X factor to being different. I think, is a very important part of being a charismatic product, brand, whatever. I don't think you can run a better mousetrap and pull a high level of charisma. I think you have to do something new or at least do something differently.
0: Terrence agrees with you. His thought was that any project that's charismatic needs purpose and something that makes it unique. And that the publisher, the designer, the creator has to create interest and promise something memorable. So really leaning into that idea that the uniqueness and differentness is what can make something more charismatic than, you know, than something that's, what'd you call it? A new mousetrap?
1: Yeah, build a better mousetrap mm-hmm. is kind of the, the adage, I guess. But yeah, you're not going to remember something that is similar to everything else you've ever had this bread tastes like the bread I had last week. Um, boy, that's super memorable. No, you're, good bread. You're going to, you know.
0: You put some cranberry and orange in that bread, though, and I'm going to remember that. <laughs>
3: Everything in life is bread.
0: <laughs> sausage in the bread.
3: The words that are really standing out to me right now, depth and devotion. I think, you know, the word excellence, you said is a dead word, which I totally agree with. And it's, it's interesting because... You can have a project that is excellently, professionally, exquisitely made. They have cut no production corners. It is stunningly well crafted. It was even passionately crafted, but you can tell that it was passionately crafted with the intention of making as much money as possible. And I think if we do just keep it in the board game sphere you know without naming names there are not infrequently board game projects say on kickstarter that are incredibly well done and obviously the people who worked on it poured a ton of time and energy to check all the boxes and do everything as well as they possibly could but it just feels soulless because what they were trying to do was check all the boxes that were going to make them the most money. Mm -hmm. And people can pick up on that. People are very perceptive in that.
1: The interesting perception that I have now is, you know, if you're not giving somebody something unexpected and new, what you've given them is an opportunity to critique, which is, present this to me and I will look for flaws, Mm -hmm. right? Which is absolutely the wrong conversation. It's the wrong perspective. It's the wrong view, even as a consumer. Like you don't want to go around trying to break everything down, right? If you give somebody something they haven't seen before and you pique that curiosity and they're like, oh, this is different, right? Now they don't really have a set of expectations to, to match it up against. And so now they're like, well, I wonder what this is. And so they start following that rabbit trail and their curiosity leads them to see the depth and the nuance behind the product or the brand or whatever it is. And now it doesn't become subject to, this is like 45 other things that I already have. And so my expectation is that it would also have this like these other ones do, kind of like the Kickstarter conversation we started this off with. You know, oh, if you're on Kickstarter and you have a board game, then you need to have this and this and this. Otherwise, you don't have my pledge, right? Well, okay, this is different, right? And I think if you lead and you innovate and you bring something new, you insulate yourself a little bit from that critical view, which
3: also sometimes is a cynical view. When you do that, you also create an opportunity to do what i think is really at the heart of charismatic products or brands or things that inspire devotion because mm-hmm. i think devotion comes when you see something and you say okay the people that made this and the people that like this like these are my people mm-hmm. this is my place i am home With anyone who would make or would like this and I want to be as close to it as I can so I can be as close to my place and my people as I can Mm -hmm. and that's what that devotion is and when you do something new or at least a little bit new you create the opportunity for people to be like finally there's Mm -hmm. my people there's my place there's what I've been waiting for that feels different that's where I want to be Mm -hmm. and then you inspire or you create the opportunity for that devotion
0: It's like digging a whole new hole for people to climb into. (laughs) A whole new hole. (laughs) I'm just reading from, let's see, who was this? Mm, I don't know how to say their name, but W. David Brunemeyer.
3: Sounds right to me. Don't ask me to pronounce names.
0: (laughs) So W. David from the Outpost community says, Tom, you asked a great question in there about... You know, isn't there sometimes projects that look good? They look right in line with things that you would normally get, but you couldn't care less about them. Like, why is there no charisma in these? Why could people not care less about these? And the way that he responded back to that is that it's usually just because I'm oversaturated with that type of thing already. It's hard to add another X to the pile when you have half a dozen X's that you still need to put some time in to actually make the money that you spent worth it and so you have to dig a new hole instead of go i can't do it <laughs> instead of your pile of X's. Well, he's, al- he's already <laughs> my metaphor de- is not working <laughs> Yeah. he's already I'm devoted gonna- to something that
3: lets him <laughs> express that that where he gets to be with his people in that arena mm-hmm. you don't need a second one mm-hmm. you don't need to be in love with 12 basketball teams you just have one mm-hmm. or two like how many basketball teams do you really need mm-hmm. you know uh, people's devotion really only needs one or has space for one or two targets in any certain conversation. And so if it's already captured, Mm -hmm. there's no room to recapture them. You can't, like Mark said, keep building the mousetrap and expect people to be excited about it or to connect with it at all, Mm -hmm. unless it's less expensive, which is that a connection? Right. Mark, Mm. you had something you were about to say, I think.
1: I'm thinking about movies now and as consumers, you know, we can consume a lot. We've trained ourselves to be very good at consumption and not necessarily um, producing, which I think is a, is another discussion. But I do think that I do think, like, think about the last movie that really touched and affected you versus all of the things that you've exposed yourselves to. Maybe it's a TV show. I don't know. We consume a lot. It's become very difficult, I think, to add new content to your favorite list, right? Because there's so much that doesn't have the charisma that it could, because it's been reduced in quality for any number of, you know, bureaucratic reasons or whatever might be behind it. I think the ones that really stand out are the ones that are able to maintain their integrity through the whole process. And the passion persists in whether it be the sacred concept of the thing or the excellence that it actually is able to maintain because they would not relent. And that could be something different for everybody, right? So my favorite movie is different than your favorite movie. That's great. Those characteristics and attributes of a charismatic product would persist though. Excellence, depth, you know, nuance and and uniqueness. And I think we owe it to ourselves to not just consume those things, but also to produce those things.
0: Ryan Carr talked about a few different items that fall in line with this. One is that a specific game developer, the customer service, is actually the piece that made him become a devoted fan. You know, So it didn't have to do with the project exactly, but just the way that the brand interacted is what made him a devoted fan. Another one of the games that he ended up backing on Kickstarter, he said he just couldn't stop being attracted to the passion for the project that was being shown. And so just like you said, it's when you're bringing that passion all the way through, You know, that is one of the things that ends up making it more unique and draws people in like the magnetism of Mm -hmm. charisma.
3: Well, the customer service bit goes to a word Mark dropped earlier, which is values. Mm -hmm. You know, he feels aligned with that company. They feel like his tribe because they have the same values or they're displaying something that suggests that they have similar values.
1: I also think that people are willing to invest in the effort of a passion project, even if they don't really want the product. I've done that many times. I'm like, Mm. these people are giving everything and I don't really need or want the product, but I want them to be successful. Mm. Our values align or I appreciate that. And I think that that is an excellent perspective because that product, as they gain momentum, those creators are going to be able to evolve what they're doing and get better and better and better because of that support. So long as they maintain and protect that, you know, the integrity of that thing that makes them charismatic.
0: That's what I feel about my daughter's bake sales,
1: <laughs> or anything uh, any right. child
0: has ever done like that. Don't <laughs> really want that cupcake with a hair in it, but I sure do love your devotion, girl. <laughs> I'm
2: very proud of you.
3: <laughs> yeah, I identify with that too. Most of the things that I personally back on Kickstarter these days are small, scrappy, really low funding things being done by one person who's kind of in over their head. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. I've, I've got you. I'm here for this. That's awesome that you're doing this.
0: So would we say then, I feel like one of the questions we had originally was, does a product inherently have charisma or is it built or earned? And to me, it does feel like it's something that you have to protect, right? You have to define and protect In order to build that charisma is there any times when that's wrong can it be inherent in a product without you intentionally building and protecting
3: i think it can be especially if it's doing something new you know i think star wars and star trek are inherently charismatic they were both doing something fairly new and they both obviously have established a devoted following, but the fact that that following has sustained is because they've protected it. And do I think every product is charismatic? Like, is it 100% just because the product is inherently charismatic? No, Mm -hmm. I think the rare product is just inherently charismatic, but I think generally speaking, it's a mix. Mm -hmm. This thing is vaguely charismatic on its own. You mix in, the passion and the the values of the creators, you mix in the community that's rallied behind it and what they bring to the table. You even mix in, you know, businessy things like marketing and how they're approaching that and how that conveys values and personality. And altogether those things start establishing the charisma of a thing. I was thinking like the
2: brand, like for Star Wars is the charismatic piece because of all of those elements you just discussed. And that way, when they do release a new product, the product inherently inherently has that charisma just by being a Star Wars branded item.
1: I don't know if I see it the same way. I think my instinct is that you have to fight to build and protect and unleash the passion from day one so that people can relate to it. And then the charisma comes from that. I don't think very often you will ever see something that doesn't have a whole lot of effort behind it become charismatic. It requires a heavy investment. And if you look at how, for example, to follow your example, George Lucas basically micromanaged every detail of Star Wars in the early days, not even having any idea that it would even be successful. That story was how he cultivated the product to become something that now inherently spreads as, you know, the charisma has grown, but those seeds that he put in the ground were very carefully and meticulously placed. And he was not about to have any part of that be touched by anything else. Like it had to meet very high standards. And I think that's the way we should approach projects. And I think if you don't feel like you have the time or the energy or the budget or whatever, to do it right then you probably shouldn't do it at all it deserves it and you deserve it and the audience deserves
3: it yeah i don't think that that's even a different perspective i think that's just how you get to something that is inherently charismatic like when star wars came out it didn't erupt because of really good marketing or because it had an existing audience or because of the way George Lucas was conducting himself publicly or in the world, people weren't following George Lucas star Wars erupted because of everything that he did in making it so that it was in and of itself charismatic. So I think what you just described is Mm. how you create protecting your values and your passion and your purpose is how you get that magic of making an inherently maybe inherently maybe i'm thinking about the term inherently wrong but i think that's how you get a product that is charismatic that by itself sense. standing no, alone i'm tracking mm-hmm. with that to add to that
1: though another perspective i don't think you can necessarily force charisma into your product i think it's up to everyone else whether or not they think it is charismatic i think the best way to approach it is to build the ultimate thing that you would do with your band of ruffians like we do <laughs> And if you're happy with it, then share it. And then people who are like-minded and have similar values to you are also going to feel the same way. Like that's the law. And if you don't do that, or if you compromise, I think that's like, you can look at this industry or any other industry and you can very easily tell, like if you've done the work, if you've actually made something amazing, I don't care if you're selling, you know, jewelry on Etsy or, you know, like if you have bake sales or whatever you do whatever scale, If you've done the work and been vulnerable and shared it and been criticized or praised, you have trained yourself now to see all the little nuances that either are present in a project or a product or are not. And I think it becomes much easier to tell whether something has that excellence or has that passion behind it or it doesn't. And there are all kinds of telltale signs about what the motivations are and the motivations are very closely tied to the amount of charisma something's going to have.
0: I'm imagining this math equation where the amount of devotion balances on each side in production and consumption, that if you put enough devotion into the production, the amount of devotion that comes out from consumers, is it balanced? Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, I do.
1: I
2: Mm -hmm. connect with that. Mm -hmm. Is charisma
1: subjective?
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. Entirely. Mm-hmm.
1: However, I think that the through line here again is I think humans are hardwired to appreciate excellence. So whatever that means to you, like doing something well, as opposed to doing something in a satisfactory manner, like inherently people are going to appreciate the excellence more. Awe. Like, it can be awe.
0: hmm
1: At the highest level, I think it's awe. Mm-hmm especially if you can't attain it. I think it's hard to be in awe of something that you can do on a daily basis yourself. I
0: I can do a lot and I still feel awesome.
1: I am in awe of you, yes. Thank
0: you. (laughs) All right, I think that's all the questions that I really had and I feel like this was a great discussion overall. Does anybody have any other thoughts that they need to add into the hole that I've dug and tried to create a metaphor for?
3: (laughs) I have nothing about your hole metaphor. (laughs) I mean, the only lingering comment that's floating around in my head is about your your math equation Mm
0: -hmm.
3: because I think, you know, devotion equaling devotion, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: you can have devotion that doesn't inspire devotion if your devotion is targeting things that isn't going to resonate with people. Like, Mm -hmm. if I am devoted to making myself the most money possible... I'm the only one that cares about that mm-hmm. you know so that's not going to inspire a tribe of people to follow me and be like oh my gosh we really want tom to know. make the most money possible it
0: interesting but it could bring out the people who want to make the most money possible i mean you see that in the people who follow people who have tons and tons and tons of followers they've made so much money and they've been devoted to that now they've got this huge community of people who also want to make that money if the
1: values are there it does any GoFundMe is that way right if
3: if the values are there and what (laughs) when what you're talking about is a totally different world okay like how you know all the best paid freelance writers write about how to make money freelance writing (laughs) you know it's like same with photographers and bloggers and any other you know Mm -hmm. whatever because people all want to make money Mm -hmm. but you know if we're just talking about board games or books or movies or you know passiony entertainment type products people will be able to tell if your devotion like if mark and i sat down right now and we just said we want to capitalize on the meta and make the most meta thing possible and do everything that everyone is doing that is currently successful.
0: And like devoted yourself hard to and we It would be easy for we, us, yeah.
3: But the thing is, if we busted our hump all day, every day for a year to make the most like meta thing possible, even though we were crazy devoted to that, people would feel it. They would feel our lack of passion and it would not do what we thought it would do.
0: Could we replace the variable of devotion with passion then? You know, if your passion but some people are passionate about I think revenue. the word
3: I think the word motivation is required. I think what is motivating you mm-hmm. has to be factored in. This
1: may take us into another discussion later, but I think one of the factors to having impact with your project too is you know accessibility. So you can have the most passionate, amazing, best thing in the entire world. And nobody knows about it. It doesn't have any charisma necessarily or the charisma doesn't show because nobody's seen it, which gets into, you know, creating visibility and having the courage to share, which I think we can touch on another.
3: Or might have a ridiculous amount of charisma for the other 12 people who are into the same weird thing that you're into. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
0: Okay. Well, great discussion, everybody. I appreciate you coming full I don't know. I
3: appreciate full you. Hole. You're trying to bring the hole back in. I can I've gone full see. Hole. We are, we are So you crawled out devoted. of your hole. and You were looking for another hole, and then you fell into my hole.
0: See, <laughs> if I just stayed devoted long enough to this, look how much how much joy we've gotten from. Oh,
3: this. it was an object lesson. <laughs> wow. I feel whole. <laughs> you are a whole.
2: Hey, I see what you did there. <laughs> it took me a second.
1: I heard what you said. Totally well, thank you idiot. for listening to the
2: whole podcast.
0: Oh, oh got all him, right. Derek, well, got if, him good. if you have every friends time. and you want them to hear about this metaphor, I think maybe you could share this conversation with them. We're told we're supposed to tell you to like, subscribe, and what follow or comment on our. Podcast.
2: You know, do the things every podcast asks you to do. So do meta. Them.
0: We're grateful for you all, and we hope that you're going to have a wonderful day. We're going to go stretch our legs and have a snack, and we will. My
3: legs are asleep.
0: We will talk to you all soon. <laughs> Derek is sitting okay?
3: incredibly sideways. Bye. Like,
0: goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Sideways. sideways. sideways.
3: Bye. Bye. Yeah. Blah. that hole Beep. was full of water. <laughs> <laughs> blub, 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 blub. Thank <laughs> you for bringing it blub, home blub, <laughs>